Hi, and welcome to eTalma 2.0. Today's Gemara learning is going to be 8a in Moed Katan, Ches Amad Aleph, but we're going to start at the very bottom of Zion Amad Bey's 7b. And if you recall, what we were discussing was the Tsaras, this ritual leprosy, how you are not going to be considered impure because of that leprosy until the Kohen announces it, until the Kohen inspects it and then says you are impure. Um, and we also spoke about how there are instances in which we're, we're going to be push off the Kohen coming to inspect it in order to push off um, the person becoming impure and having to leave the camp till a later date. The community to a later date. So, and we brought two proofs, two different rabbis brought two different verses, um, sources to show that it's all completely dependent on the Kohen and that we can push off the Kohen's inspection for for, for different reasons. Um, one verse was brought by Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yehuda, his verse was, Uviyom Hiraospo, that on the day that the Kohen sees it, as if to tell you that there are some days the Kohen should come to inspect, some days not. And then we had Rebbe, who said that, no, we learn it from the fact that we see by Tsaras of the home, you can get Tsaras on your house. And we see there that the Kohen could can push off coming to say that the house is impure until everything's removed from the house and then come say that it's impure. So we see very clearly it's dependent on the Kohen and there are reasons to be able to, and there are circumstances we're pushing off the inspection and therefore the the announcement of impurity um, can be pushed off. Okay, so now we're wondering, we have two different rabbis telling us two different sources for this idea, and the question is, what's the difference between them? So we're going to start from the words "my benayhu." What's the practical difference between them? Amar Abaye Abaye says, "Mashmaos dorshin benayhu." The only difference between them is just, you know, is that is scriptural interpretation. Um, they don't disagree regarding the law itself or the content of the law. They only disagree as to what the source is. One feels this source is better, one feels this source is better. We'll talk a little bit more about that. For Rava, Amar Rava says, no, there's actually a difference in the content of the law. The difference between them is when you have leprosy of the body and you want to push it off for a discretionary matter, not a mitzvah matter. So according to Rebbe, who learns this from, who learns about, who learns the law of the Kohen being the, the, the Cohen's announcement making you impure and the ability to push off that announcement and that inspection, he learns it from the Tuma, from the Tsaras on the house. And we know in the case of the Tsaras on the house, you can push it off for discretionary matters so that you have time to take the stuff outside of your house so that you does not become impure and then you can no longer use it. Um, that's a discretionary matter. It's not for the purpose of a mitzvah. So just like he would say that here, he'd say that there. He'd say that as well when it comes to tsaras of the body because that's where he learns the law from. He learns it from the house. So seemingly we'd equate it in all ways. According to Rav Yehuda, however, who bases it on the verse, Uvayom Hero that on the day that you shall see it or that the Kohen will see it, there we only, Rav Yehuda only told us that for mitzvah purposes, you're allowed to push off the inspection. So if a groom is getting married so that he can get married, fulfill that mitzvah and fulfill the mitzvah of gladdening his wife, then you can push it off. But for a discretionary matter, you will not be allowed to. 
So now we're wondering, why does Rav Yehuda come up with a different verse and not just learn um, this law from the house Tzara'as, just like Rabbi does. The Rabbi Yehuda, Mehasim Ogarminan, so Rabbi Yehuda, from there, um, from house Tzara'as, we cannot learn to body Tzara'as, because the house Tzara'as is a novel concept, and you can't learn from a novelty to um, to something that's not a novelty. What does that mean, it's a novelty? Okay, so now we're turning to 8a, Ches Amad Aleph. Why is it a novelty? Because in general, wooden stones cannot become tame. They're not susceptible to ritual impurity. So for us to say, now that we're saying that they are susceptible to the ritual impurity of tzaras, that's a novel concept. And you can't learn from there to um, to bodily tzaras, which is just another form of tuma, which the body is always susceptible to. The and, and yet here, in this case, the wood and the stones do become tummy. So in other words, because this law is an anomaly, we cannot learn out from it to other contexts. That's the idea. Okay, and now the Rebbe Omar. Um, the question is, according to Rebbe, if we do learn the law of body Tsaras from house Tsaras, then why is there that other verse that Rav Yehuda learned from, Rav Yehuda learned from, to talk about postponing the inspection of body tzaras? Why is that verse exist? It would seemingly be unnecessary. That would seem to be an unnecessary verse. For Rabbi Omar, Rabbi says, no, it's still necessary. It's We have to have both verses that teach us about um, body tzaras and being able to push off the inspection. Because if the Torah had only written the verse that Rav Yehuda learns from the pushing off the inspection from, which is, but on the day healthy flesh is observed in it, from the word, um, I would have said that for a mitzvah matter, you could postpone the examination, but not for a discretionary matter. Therefore, the verse also writes, the coin shall command and they shall clear the house, which is the verse that teaches us that on house tzaras, the Kohen can say, take everything out first and then I'll come to inspect. I'll push off the inspection in order to save the stuff inside of the house for discretion, in other words, for discretionary matters. And that's, so we need that verse to teach us that for discretionary matters, you can also push off the inspection. But then we'd have a question because Rahman of Atziva Kohen, but if the merciful one of the Torah had only written, the verse about the house, how the, you can push off that inspection. I would have said that for the house, you could push it off. Because it's not a case of tuma on a person's body. But when it came to a case of impurity on a person's body, then you would perhaps have to say that the Kohen has to view it without delay. So therefore we needed the verse of on the day on which you will see it, to teach you that um, even for bodily tzara'as, the Kohen can push it off. Tzricha, therefore, both verses are actually necessary. Okay. Now we're going to go back and analyze one part of the b'risa. Amar Mar Master said, we're going back to analyze a part of the b'risa. Um, the, the Pasuk says, Ubeyom Hera on the day that the Kohen shall see it, Yeshom Yeshom And the learning from the exposition was, the expounding was, there's a day in which you observe Tsaras to determine its status, and there's a day in which you do not observe Tsaras. Now we're saying, Me'e Mashma. How does this verse imply this? Meaning, 
the verse says, but on a day healthy flesh is observant, right? Because remember, one of the signs of tzaras is that you have this white rash, and inside of the white rash is um, healthy flesh. So the verse says, on the day the on the day healthy flesh is observed in it. Amravai imkain. If it were so, so, where do we see from there that you can? Um, um, where do we see from there that you can push off the inspection? Amravai says as follows: Imkain. If it were so that this pasuk, this verse is only coming to teach you about the symptom, you know, the symptom of a of real tsaras, of actual tsaras, that you need healthy flesh inside of the white rash. Then the Torah should have just written biyom on the day healthy flesh is observed. My uviyom. What's the purpose of writing the extra vav and or but on the day? Why that extra vav? Shmamina. It must be that that extra vav is here to teach us something. What is it teaching us? Shmamina. Learn from this. Yeshiom shatarobov. Yeshiom shiatarobov. There's a day on which you observe tzuras, and there's a day on which you do not. In other words, the kohen is allowed to push off the inspection. Rava Omar, Rava says, no, we don't learn this idea from the extra vav. Kula krayaseira, the entire verse, or in the other words, the entire word, uve yom, on the end, on the day, or but on the day, that is all extra. That whole word is extra to teach us this concept. Because if it were so, that all the verse was coming to teach us is the symptom for tsaras, lichtov rachmano veheiraos, the Torah should have just written, but when healthy flesh is observed, right? Why does it add the word, but on the day? Rather, we learn from this entire word. This entire word, uviyom, is actually extra to teach us, yeshiom yeshiom teach us that there's a day on which you, the Kohen does come to inspect Saras, and there's a day on which the Kohen does not come to inspect Saras. Okay. Um, now, now we're going to wonder, though. So Abaye said the only superfluous part of the verse was the letter vav. So let's talk about him. Abaye says, The word bayom, without the vav, on the day, that's needed to teach bayom v'lo that saras can be examined by day and not by night. In other words, you can't examine saras by candlelight. Verava, Verava, where does he learn this from? Bayom v'lo minale, from where does he learn that you can only inspect saras day and not by night? Nafkale mi l'chol mare he derives it from the verse that says, wherever the eyes of the Kohen can see. And he says, it's the eyes of the Kohen without any other help. So it cannot be with the help of light. It has to be a direct examination with just the eyes of the Kohen. But what about Abaye? What does he do with that verse? Abaye says, No, the verse that says, wherever the eyes of the Kohen can see, that verse is needed to exclude a Kohen who is blind in one of his eyes from examining Saras. But wait a minute, according to Rava also, wouldn't he need the verse for that as well? That the a Kohen who is blind in one of his eyes cannot do the examination. And then we would learn and then working backwards, you would need the word by Yom during the day to teach us that you can't do it at night, which would then mean that the only superfluous letter is Vav. So we say Anachinami, yes. You're right. Rava does need um Rava does um learn wherever the eyes of the coin can see he needs that to teach you about the blind per, the blind coin in one eye the but if that's the case then where does he learn that saras can only be examined by day and not by night not by candlelight he learns from he learns it from the verse something like an affliction has appeared to me on the house 
Li velola ori. It says appeared to me, not appeared, but appeared to me, to teach us that it appeared to me, to myself, but not through candlelight, but not by candlelight. Okay, then what about Abaye? Why does an Abaye learn that you can do it during the day and not by night, not by candlelight from that same verse? So the Abaye, Ime Hasim, he would say that if we learnt it from there, um, if we learnt the nighttime, that nighttime examination is not allowed from there, Havamin, um, I would have said, oh, okay, so just, just before we go on, that verse that I just quoted, that Rava learns that you can only do it during the day, not from night, that actually is an affliction on the house, right? That's a verse in the context of afflictions on the house, not on the body. So Abaye is going to say, if we would have learned from there, from that verse, Havamin, I would have said, Hanimili Tuma de Labdegufe. But this exclusion applies only with regard to Tsaras, to Tuma, that's not on a person's body. Aval Tuma de Gufe, Afil Oronami, but with regard to the tomb of a person's body, I would have said that it should even be examined by light. It could even be done by candlelight at night. Kamashman, therefore the Torah teaches us with the word, but on the day healthy flesh is observed, to teach us that bodily saras is examined only by day as well. And since this verse is needed to teach that law, the only superfluous part of that verse is the vav, the letter vav, which on which we use to teach us that there are some days in which we do not observe uh, come and examine saras, and there are some days that we do. Okay, now we're going to start a new Mishnah. So we're at the Mishnah on Chesam and Aleph on 8a. Va'od Amar Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir said further, Malakit Adam Atzmas Imo. A person may gather the bones of his father and mother to re-interior them on Chol Hamoid, on the intermediate days of the festival. Because there's a certain source of joy uh, being able to finally bring the bones of his mother or to, of his father to their ancestral burial place. Rabbi Yossi, Omer Rabbi Yossi says, No, you absolutely could not because it's a source of mourning for him. So you cannot do it during the festival. The Mishnah says, goes on, So a person cannot inspire lamentations for his dead relative. Or eulogize his dead relative. During the 30 days preceding the festival. And we'll talk about why that is and what exactly this means. Okay, but first we're going to talk about the bones of one's parents. Uriminhu. So Rabbi Meir said that um, you are allowed to re-interior bones on the intermediate days because it's a certain sense of joy um, being able to put put them into the ancestral burial ground. Up until now, they were only in some sort of temporary burial plot. Or a minhu, but look at, contrast this with the following b'risa. Hamalakid atzmas abavimo, if you gather the bones of your father and your mother, harizemisabal alayim kolayon. You actually have an obligation to mourn from them for the entire day. In the evening, you no longer have to mourn for them. But we see very clearly that there's laws of mourning that apply when you're re interring So obviously it's a time of mourning. You even have to mourn even if the bones are wrapped up in one sheet. In other words, even if they're wrapped up in the sheet and have not even been re interred you still have to mourn. It's still a time of mourning. So how could a mayor say that it's permitted in a chalamoy because it's a source of joy? So Rabaye Baye says, Say that Ramer means that, yes, there may be that sense of mourning that creeps in, but the joy of the festival is upon him, and that will override any sort of mourning feeling that the person has, and will also override any sort of mandated mourning that usually is required upon re-interring one's parents. Okay, next part of the Mishnah said, So you're not allowed to inspire lamentations for one's 
deceased relative 30 days before the festival. So what's the meaning of you're not allowed to inspire lamentations for your dead relative? Rav says, When the eulogist would travel around in the West, so there would these be professional eulogy sayers. So when they would travel around in the West, Amri, they would say, Weep with him, all who are brokenhearted. And this, basically, we're saying is that you're not allowed to do that before the festival um, uh, 30 days. Um, yeah, so you're, you can't, really, this is referring to, like, hiring, or we're probably we're going to be talking about hiring somebody to eulogize one's, um, you know, and bringing a, your whole group around this person. You can't do that 30 days before the festival. Um, okay, now we're going to talk about that. So the Mishnah said, Kodam during the 30 days preceding the festival, why is it specifically forbidden for 30 days before the festival? Rav Kahana said in the name of Rabbi Huda, who said in the name of Rav, there was once a person, who had gathered enough money to go up to Jerusalem for the pilgrimage festival, for one of the three pilgrimage festivals. But then a eulogist came and stood by the entrance to his house to eulogize the loss of the man's relative. And his wife took the funds that had been scraped together to make the pilgrimage and gave them to the eulogist. So her husband had to refrain and not go up to Jerusalem for the festival. At that moment, the sage said, A person's not allowed to inspire lamentations for his dead relative, nor eulogize him for 30 days before the festival because of the possibility that you saved up enough money and now all of a sudden you don't have money left for the needs of the festival. Shmuel Amar Shmuel says that's not the reason. It has nothing to do with money. Rather, now we're just going to go to 8b. The reason is, is because a dead person is not forgotten from the heart for 30 days and we... If you start eulogizing 30 days before the festival, then you'll have go into the festival with, with mourning. And that is not the goal. That's not what we want to happen. Now, is there a practical difference between these two reasons? One is about money. One is about um, sadness going into the festival. What's the practical difference? The practical difference would seem to be quite obvious. The difference between them is, is where the eulogist does it for free. If he does it for free, then according to the first reason that we don't want you to waste the saved up money that you have for the festival then if they do it for free it's not a big deal and if it has to do with the sadness then of course it is a big deal okay we'll stop here for today have a great day